Warning, the following podcast contains descriptions of violence against human beings and may contain descriptions of sexual violence. This podcast is not suitable for children under the age of 13. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to another episode of Paranormal Guys. I'm Zane. And I'm Kyle. And we're back. (laughs) And today we're going to be talking about everybody's favorite thing, Kool-Aid, not a sponsor. Exactly. (laughs) And not... (laughs) Maybe they will sponsor us. No, I don't think they want to sponsor I, us. I have a episode. funny feeling they're not going to want attachment with today's episode, Kyle. Why is that? <laughs> However, I do have to say that after what we talk about today, it actually happened. Their sales did go up. <laughs> really? This I did not know. Everybody's like, yeah, yeah, that's what I want anyway. Yep, their sales. I, I, I mean, they didn't go up dramatically. I think it was like 5 to 10%, but it still went up. That's still up, though. I'm just saying. So we're talking about the phrase, so, don't, you know, basically drinking the Kool-Aid. I actually... Right, but why don't you want to drink the Kool-Aid? What's in it? Well, cyanide, duh, and arsenic, and all these other yeah. nasty chemicals. It's like a it's like a Republican's dream in there. What does cyanide smell like, though, Zane? Uh, grape Kool-Aid. And how effective is it? Uh, very... It doesn't smell like grape Kool-Aid, that's a lie. <laughs> I don't I know, go sniff it. Get real it close, take a like nice big Kool-Aid. inhale. Cyanide um, smells I I, like you don't. Did you not know this? You I don't, don't know. know the answer to this. Mm. <gasps> oh my gosh! I know something that Zane doesn't. Stumped. I need you to put this on the calendar. <laughs> it's it's a memorable um, date, and it will happen exactly like once. <laughs> once on the same day every year. Yep. For the rest of my life. Yep. Um. No, cyanide smells like. Rot, not rotting, but like um, it smells like almonds, but not like fresh almonds, stale almonds. I actually did not know that. Rancid almonds. Yeah, it smells like rancid almonds, which cyanide is what it poisoned a lot of people. Do you remember when people were freaking out because someone died from taking just a basic pill? I actually I don't, don't know. I think know this about was this. the 70s or 80s. Yeah, there was like <clears throat> there's there was a guy who was breaking the seals on like aspirin and putting cyanide in there or Interesting. replacing That's the cyanide tablets and no one would know and then someone would take it and then die but how effective is cyanide like can you take you just like a little bit and survive it yeah i think it's just above iocane powder if i remember correctly i don't know what that means <laughs> it's a princess bride i did not thank like you michael movie, so sorry I will proceed to kick your shins now because you didn't watch Princess Bride. I've watched it. I just didn't like it. Kyle, you never, never take up the odds against a Sicilian when death is on the line. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You have homework now, Kyle. (laughs) All right, listeners, we need to pull everybody who thinks Kyle's a secret communist for having not liked that film. Please go in and donate $5 to our PayPal. Okay, let's just get it out now. The famous <laughs> movies that I did not like that people seem to love. Princess Bride. Top Gun. I'm just waiting for the, the backlash on that one. <laughs> I hated Top Gun. Top Gun was garbage. So stupid. 
Top Gun and should be I'm receive the I'm award get the for death stare from Top Gun should receive the award for most awkward film for my parents to walk in during a sex scene of. <laughs> it was uncomfortable AF. Take I don't need Tom Cruise silhouette and pumping some chick. What the frick was that? I don't remember. I just remember the song. Yeah, Ugh, dude. No, played. that that sex scene is just yeah. like like I've seen a lot of weird movies in my life, but that is the most uncomfortable I've ever been in a sex scene. And that includes The Shining when the frickin' naked old lady is standing there. Ugh, yeah. Well, I was going to say the last one, and I'm afraid I'm going to get the death look from Mike, is the Marvel movies. Did I say that quiet enough? The what? <laughs> What did you just say? I couldn't hear you the at all. The Marvel movies. I don't understand the hype. They're total garbage. If you've seen one, you've seen them all. Did the bad guy lose? <laughs> you saw the movie. Did the good guy I'm win? You, Mike's you saw giving the me movie. The death stare. <clears throat> no, actually, I liked the first like fifteen of them, but now that we're on forty-five, I'm done. I'm tired of them. The I Marvel watched- movies are just Disney's version of Shrek. Prove me wrong. I watched the first Iron Man, the first Thor, the first Captain America, and I think that's where I stopped. Oh, no, I did. What's the one with the Black Panther? I actually like the Black Panther, but not a fan of any of them. I think I think that they're all the same movie. It's such I I don't I feel like it's it's like watching a sports movie. I wonder if the underdog will win. It's true. It's very true. So now that that's out there. I will keep an eye out in our mailbox for all the hate mail. And then I'll just forward it back to you. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) You you mean like, never mind. I can't say that. I'll tell you after the episode. Anyway, (laughs) going way back. That was a very long tangent. But yes, going back, we wanted to talk about the one and only Jim Jones. Now, real quick disclaimer, listeners, we are going to be talking about mass suicide and some cases of abuse. So once again, please use user discretion while listening to this episode. But we are looking forward to you ha- to having you here. Yes, agreed. So Jim Jones or James Warren Jones was born May 13th, 1931. Um, he was he actually grew up in a very poor home. His mother and father basically raised him in a shack. Um, Something I find interesting about Jim Jones is he was very charismatic and he would get older people to do things for him very easily. Like he was he was able to manipulate older people. So so, Kyle, that's one of the key indicators of a sociopath is the charisma Mm -hmm. and the manipulation. Those two heads are usually two major parts of it. I'm sure we'll get into this later, but Mm -hmm. just right out of the gate is Jim Jones a sociopath. I think so. I don't I mean, in the book that I read about him, it was never they never called him specifically a sociopath, but I think he was. Interesting. Continue on. Thank you. Um, So he was an avid reader and something that he loved to read and learn about was religion. And there was a lady who thought that she could swindle him into joining her church. And so I don't remember what religion she was, but she got him to read the Bible and he was started getting really into the Bible and trying to decipher things. And that's kind of where his religious background started was when he was really young. It wasn't from his parents. It was from the next door lady or the lady next door. Um, but he liked to learn about Stalin, Marx. I can't Mao. Is, did I say that right? German Mao. Yeah. Mm hmm. 
Uh, all, Gandhi, all very heavily communist influenced people. Right, exactly, which will come into play. Um, Gandhi, and also he loved Hitler. So hmm. that's not something you can H- say. Right. So he, whenever he would, so he didn't actually have a lot of friends, but when he did actually go play with kids, he always wanted to play war with his friends. Like, let's go, you know, it's okay, like a fairly robbers. common little boy thing. All right. Exactly. <laughs> but he always wanted to be Hitler. When not he would not play quite war. as common. That's that's a little <laughs> bit less common. I mean, there's some groups in the Deep South that love that idea, but I'm fairly confident right? that that wasn't what he was going after. Right now, I he had a really deep fascination with Hitler, and I think that's kind of where he got a lot of his speech techniques, because he would go out and he when he would preach, people would just listen to him. And it doesn't matter how much you hate Hitler. He was very good at persuading a crowd. I mean, that's that's how he rose to power. And that's exactly how Hitler rose to power in my speech class. We actually listened to speeches from Hitler and we talked about how persuasive, how like techniques that he used to be persuasive when you're giving a speech. Anyway, I'm not saying you should learn from Hitler, but that is one thing. But if you are, you'll make a great politician is all that Kyle's saying. (laughs) (laughs) All I'm saying is he was a very, very good talker amongst crowds. Thank you. He was was an excellent Um, painter. That, That was what Kyle was getting at. Yes, painter. He did do that as well. Also, he was purchase local bizarre. art. You'll stop world wars before they happen. <laughs> anyway, um, I don't think so, there's any so science to back that up, but I'll support that. <laughs> well, so Hitler was a failed artist. He was. He went to art school in Austria, and after he failed at art school, he decided, you know, why not lead an uprising inside of my country? So, buy local art, people. Ends okay, the Holocaust. But he is anyway. like he is like the only person. He's the only failed artist to ever do that. So he's an outlier because there's a lot of failed artists in the world. OK, and none of them started. World yeah, Wars. yeah, boy, right here. Mr. Zane failed artist <laughs> numero uno. And I didn't go off and kill an entire ethnic group. Damn it, Hitler. I mean, yet. <laughs> I have no idea how to respond to that. <laughs> <laughs> he just sits there. I'm like, yet. He's like, uh, dang it. He's caught on. Damn, um, he's got so my plan. Jim Jones. Jim Jones actually didn't get along with his father They clashed really bad Especially on the subject of race His father was very racist And Jones Mr. Loves Hitler Right He claims I mean as well as a friend of Jim Jones would say That his father was in the Ku Klux Klan Now there's no evidence to back that up It's just based off of Someone who knew Jim Jones growing up Is that Jim Jones' father was in the Ku Klux Klan like he was a um, high-ranking member or just in the clan? Just in the clan. Now, I think the only reason they got that information was because Jim Jones's father did not allow black kids into their house while he was growing up. And Jim always wanted to have black kids come over and play with him. He yeah, was always playing but, with but I mean, as terrible you know? as it is, that was a fairly common practice back then. Like, it's still awful. It's still absolutely awful. Uh, but Agreed. I agree. But that doesn't make him a Ku Klux Klan member. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, it, it doesn't yeah. like that's that's one sin. And granted, yeah, it's awful, but it's like, no, he's not a Klansman. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. So eventually Jones's father and his mother divorced uh, when Jones was in high school. They moved away to Richmond, Indiana. And that is where Jim Jones met his wife. Her name was Marceline Baldwin. 
and they wed in 1949 and moved to Bloomington, Indiana. Marceline was a nurse. I don't know if you knew that. I actually did. Oh, well, there you go. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So Jones's fascination didn't diminish or fascination with religion didn't diminish. Excuse me. Um, It actually became a huge obsession for him. Uh, Jones's corn's core beliefs were mainly communist. And that's why I mean, Zane brought it out earlier. A lot of his idols and people that he looked up to and read about were communists. Karl Marx is the father of communism. Like it's not just an idol or somebody who was like, you know, somebody who was interested in communism. Karl Marx basically authored communism. I did not know that. Um, But what's interesting is, I mean, because whenever you hear communism, I always think, oh, that's a negative thing. It's very terrible. (laughs) But what Jones started wasn't it wasn't the negative side of it. It was a way to create a working society, which I think it always starts out as is, hey, this is how we're going to be able to give back and help one another. But it never turns out communism would work that way perfectly if it wasn't for people. That's the best way I can describe communism. Agreed, because there's always somebody who wants to be above somebody else. Or there's there's always the realization that the people up high can take a little bit here and a little bit there without being noticed. And then before you know it, suddenly there's a lot of people on the bottom and not too many on the top. And then somehow you get North Korea. Yeah, yeah, that one's more of just an oddity about some fat turtle running around with a bad haircut. I'm talking about you, (laughs) Kim Jong-un, except you can't hear me because you guys don't have Internet. Hey, you, Kim Jong-un. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh. Anyway, so back I've to Jim Jones. so many very powerful people on this podcast. I know. <laughs> it's true. I don't think any of them are ever going to listen to it, so I think we're totally fine. I'm going to send them personal um, invites. Great. Okay. Perfect. Find their email. Just send it to them. Um, what is this email? So jumping back. <laughs> email. So jumping back. So... They he wanted to start this communist group, uh, but he was basing it off of religion. I mean, remember the two things that he's obsessed about, communism and religion. Yep. Uh, so he stu- he wanted to start his own church. But with him leading the group, um, he became the ruler of his followers. It wasn't just like, hey, here, let me guide you and we can all help one another. It was here. Follow me and I will be your ruler kind of thing. But they but then he sold it as communism. Yep. Which is exactly what happens in communist groups. So thus, the People's Temple was organized in 1955. Such a spooky name for a cult, by the way. I I feel like that's like just like the quintessential spooky cult name is the People's Temple. So because it's got the undertones of of communism, by the way, the People's is a very communist concept. But like the People's Temple, A, because I know about it, but also just because it's a spooky name just rings chills up my spine. Anyway, continue on. Mm hmm. Oh, of course. Um, so they were church. They were a church that was based on biblical and Christian foundations, and they claimed to be a po- I can never say this word. Apostolic. Apocalyptic. <laughs> That's are not you, it. Are you looking for apostolic? Thank you. Apostolic <laughs> socialism. Apostolic I can read, okay, socialism. I promise. I think what we need to do is every time Kyle says apostolic, literally just dub my my voice in over the top saying apostolic. Apostolic. Well, this is the only time I'll be saying it. And I remember writing that out. I was like, I I had to like <laughs> look it up. I can't I say even, the I word like, 330, so if that counts for anything. 
Free 30? 330. Like, if I have to say it more than once in a row, I have like, free 30. <laughs> Okay. You're like, you having a stroke over there, boy? That's so random. <laughs> I had because like I, I'll call people. Well, I'll call people and I'll be like setting up an appointment with them. Like I'll be like, hey, we were gonna talk at this time. Does this time work for you? Anything with a th to begin with, like, or even like, even sometimes when I say four thirty, I don't know why, but it's like the word thirty just f's with my mouth. Well, just quit saying things for three thirty and do it yeah, for twenty nine. Just do everything on the hour. Just, it just f's me right in the mouth. But anyway. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so back to on. this. Sorry, we're getting on so many tangents today. Um. So yes, they were uh, an. I'm not gonna say it. Anyway, apostolic. So they were, they're found. Thank you, apostolic. So they were built on biblical and Christian foundations. Um. Even though they had communism intertwined with the religion, so they claimed that those who were drugged, people were drugged by the opiate of religion, will eventually be brought to the light of socialism. So they wanted to pull people from their own, from their own religion, whatever it may be. And they called it a, an opiate or a kind, a kind of drug that people have to have because they have to go back every Sunday for it. Or, you know, however often they go to church. Yeah. Which drug like, you know, gasoline kind of or, a, or toilet paper. Right. Something you need every day. Anyway, it was an interesting way of looking at it. I thought, but it's not something that I would believe. But I was like, mm, that's not something I've looked at from this perspective before. So it was interesting. Well, there's uh, like this the whole Jones? atheist thing that's like religion is the opiate of the masses. So, yeah, no, it's it's definitely not new. Yeah, I just had never heard of it before. So I thought it was interesting. Yeah. Um, but Jones actually traveled to quite a few places outside the United States um, to find where he and the People's Temple could go and practice their socialism. Uh <clears throat> Uh, they looked in places in Brazil and Guyana, and, but those ideas were actually short lived and the temple remained inside the United States for a few more years after that. Um, but it, it didn't they stay moved very to California, long. right? Yep. They moved to California in 1965. Redwood Valley, to be specific. But there were also branches established in Los Angeles and San Francisco. So now we have the people's temple who are battling for grounds of Scientology. Just kidding. I don't think Scientology even brought up at this point. <laughs> when was Scientology started? I don't remember. They're still around. You I read actually, books in the fifties. I don't remember. I, I, the I people's feel like, temple is still around. No, the people's temple has gone. They, they kind of did something to remove themselves from the planet, but um, the, <laughs> uh, the Scientologists are all still here. Right. Well, I knew that. <laughs> well, I knew that dumb. <laughs> <laughs> but they had branches. <clears throat> they had branches in San Francisco and Los Angeles as well. But then so they were kind of starting to populate. But that was his idea was. Uh, let's just put some of our groups here, here and here, and then they'll grow and then we can get money to actually start our socialistic ideas. It's a very <clears throat> capitalist idea for a socialist. Right. He was actually pretty good at capitalism as well. Yeah. Um, but Jones actually had a way of working with political officials as well. He did. Uh, he also. Yeah, he were He made a point to integrate his church. So he would go to other churches and be like, hey, let's be friends and let's intermingle our groups. And then he would kind of still members away by doing that. 
that was kind of an interesting way. I'm so like, he like hmm. he would go in and basically take members out of other churches that he felt were valuable to him. And it actually helped him to kind of network yeah. and find people that would be loyal to his cause as time went on. I think he groomed people personally. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He did. But I think it was interesting because he would go to leaders of other churches and just say, hey, let's let our congregations mingle. And then he would poach a bunch of people from his con- from the other guy's congregation. Which I you mean, remember, religion isn't that's how they a make competition. Money, so. It's just, it's true. Which sucks for that guy because he's working to anyway, working to make save people's souls. That that's what I was going to say. <laughs> make yeah, make <laughs> make people sell their souls. What <laughs> religion for pay? Uh, what? <laughs> yeah, but he. I mean, so he was integrating with other churches. He was getting. Involved with the pol- the political movement around in San Francisco. He was tight with well, a lot of the politicians. He was, and it was mainly San Francisco that he was working with, like, local leaders of the city, trying to make things a little more the way he wanted them. Well, it was that and, he, then knew he would that also if he go in and tell them, hey, you have the support of my people cover. if you can make A, B, and C happen. Yeah, it's like, do you want, do you want 300 yes, votes? Yes, exactly. Okay, make this happen. Uh Uh-huh, that's exactly what he was doing. Uh, He was very vocal about the civil rights and acceptance of any race into the People's Temple. So, of course, in the 1960s, who does that target? Would be all the minorities ever, except for white people? Exactly. I mean, mainly it was the blacks, because they were the ones that were being persecuted the most in the 60s. But yeah, I mean, that's what he was saying is, hey... Join us and you will have the same rights in this Which communist was very group. Very progressive for, for oh, that yeah. era. Like incredibly progressive. Absolutely. Especially Absolutely. within in any kind of theology. Basically, up to that point, mm-hmm. black people had their church, white people had their church, and ne'er shall the two meet. So it was very interesting that he would be willing to even kind of begin to see that as a you know, as opposed to completely mm-hmm. integrating people. That just didn't happen back then. Right. Well, what's interesting is because um, he had to practice what he was teaching at this point, because it was it wasn't just, hey, everyone is equal. He needed to show them that. And I think he took this next tragedy as an opportunity. Um, So Jones and his wife tried for many years to have kids. She couldn't get pregnant. So after many different kinds of treatments later, they decided to have children a different way. They looked for the opportunity to adopt. And they started their Um, rainbow family. Exactly. And what colors consisted of this rainbow family? Black and white. Do you know that? (laughs) It was a colorblind rainbow. (laughs) But, But there were other colors in between. So they adopted three Korean children, an American Indian child, so Native American child, Um, And they eventually did have a child of their own, which was obviously white. And then they adopted another white child. And then they and they also adopted. uh, Let's see. Adopted a white child. Didn't they end up with eight kids total? They were the first. I think so. And they were the first white couple in Indiana to adopt a black child. To adopt a black child. Yep. So they've got Native American, Korean, black, white, and then their own child, which was also white. And you got to remember, then they, so yeah, they dubbed themselves the Rainbow Family. To his credit, Jim Jones, for for all the other flaws we'll talk about, 
in his progressiveness was actually a, a pretty big mover and shaker. The fact that he probably took a lot of guff for adopting children of another race, not to mention just uh-huh. the amount of segregation he would receive for his choices was pretty intense. So at right. least up to this point, Jim Jones, for all his flaws, is at least doing something good for a very, very undervocalized group of people with a very limited amount of rights. Exactly. And see, that's what I thought when I was listening to the book. Yes, I still listen to books and consider it reading. Yeah, who um, doesn't? <laughs> I just kept thinking that I'm like, you know, his intentions, the way they present it is his intentions were good, but he had a deep, he had an underlying meaning to everything that he did. So that's why he looked so good of like, oh, look, he's integrating people. He's he doesn't care what race kids are that he's adopting. Like he was pushing forward civil rights quite a bit in the things that he was teaching. And so I thought, you know, good on him for doing that. But he had an underlying meaning for all of that. He knew that. And I'm not saying this as a general thing. It's just generalizing for the time of the 1960s. Stand by for the bleep button, Mike. (laughs) Because the minorities were so persecuted, mainly the black community, I think they had so much hope that the first person that came along that said, I want to help you or I want to make your story known. They took advantage or didn't want to not advantage, but they took an opportunity to say, hey, this person wants to help. But he wanted to control them and they were easily controlled because he's and this is when you only have one savior. It's very easy to to gather behind that savior is what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. But I was going to say this is like textbook dale carnegie like if you've ever read how to win friends and influence people that's exactly what it is here let me tell you what i'm going to do for you but you're going to do something for me and he's not the only person that did that um charles manson did that and we'll talk about that on a different episode but plug 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 plug. um but yeah i mean he had an underlying meaning of why he wanted the minorities to to come to him because not only was he going to get minorities to join his church and join his cause, but he was going to get people who were saying, Oh, you know, like even uh, the majority of people, white people that are in the community are saying, Hey, you know what? He's got some good points and I have a black friend who does this and I, I want them to have these rights. And so they would join as well. And he, I think that was kind of his idea was let's get the minorities and they'll bring their friends and then their white friends they'll be able to bring in as well because they want the same thing. I think that's kind of what he was thinking. From a business perspective, he's nailing it. Yes. But what was that T-Rex noise about BT dubs? Because he's so, (laughs) he's so corrupt. It's so horrible. Uh, To gain followers, Jones did a lot of super sketchy things. Mainly, he was a con artist. He was trying to do whatever it takes to get people to join his his group. Um, he would make an entire show of healing people. And I they went into a lot of detail with this in the book, and I thought it was so fascinating. There's This so is probably stage, one of the most interesting things about him. I've read about his faith. Yes. Healings. So he would stage healings, which there's a lot of religious people who have done this now for, and like for our listeners who, who don't know this. what a healing is it's when you see someone on tv acting like a blithering jack whack someone upside the head with a bible and yell be healed that's what a faith healing is <laughs> demons be gone and then he smacks them in the head and they fall over and they're like oh my gosh my demons are gone <laughs> there's this <laughs> one particular moron <laughs> whose name escapes me who just before the um coronavirus became bigger 
got on TV, and I kid you not, blew into the microphone while yelling, I have distanced you. You are now gone from the earth, COVID-19. Yeah, that didn't age well. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's hilarious. <laughs> I didn't know that happened. <laughs> Dude, I will send you the video, and everybody who sees it, please make sure your friends and family see it so they don't send this moron money, because he clearly doesn't need it. Anyway, continue on. Ugh. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I do want to know who it is. So one of the healings he would stage in particular, and this is the one that's super. And now that I think back on it, I'm like, there may have been like videos of this happening that have been leaked out onto the Internet. So I don't know if there is, but if you can find one, please send it to us because I would love to see it, especially if it was Jim Jones. specifically. But he would claim to heal a cancer patient in front of entire congregation in one meeting. So the way he would do this is he would have the cancer patient come up to the front of the stage and he would do some prayer or whatever and be like, and now you're healed. But he would then like pull out this. But this is (laughs) this is where it gets super theatrical. So he then pulls out of this person the bloody tissue and is like shaking it and like he quickly takes it away and and it's wrapped up in so he's saying he's pulling um, out their tumors basically like he's saying he just yes, reached into yeah. him and whipped that tumor right on out you know that thing that the doctor exactly. can't pull but out he, with years of I mean, medical it's, experience it's an, right but it's enough of a something yeah but it's enough of a, a substance that people in the audience can see it and there's witnesses that are up close that can really see it, and they're like oh my gosh she just pulled out the cancer from this person's body and and then it's quickly wrapped up and taken away. And he says, I just removed the cancerous tumor from your body. Well, the con here was, was that the cancer that was the so-called cancer that was removed was actually just chicken giblets. Psych. There were, there was no cancer yeah. fool. And he would stage people out in the audience and be like, this person, tell me what's wrong with you. And they'd be like, I have cancer. And then they didn't, but they would throw on this whole theatrical thing how oddly capitalist of him um, to try to get more people into his church what a right, crazy communist right? but it's interesting because his followers had a huge and a very deep belief in him that he was performing miracles just like christ and that's where they're like oh my goodness we need to follow him and to do everything that he says because he's amazing when you only have one savior it's very easy to follow them I know. Maybe that we should title that the episode. <laughs> I'm a genius. I'm a freaking genius. So being the leader of the people's temple quickly went to Jim Jones's head. Like he started being like, oh, look at me. I'm I'm the leader of this great church, even though he lied to gain all of his followers or poach them or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I got um, all the best players in the draft. <laughs> here's yeah. Here's where it gets interesting. So he was quite promiscuous outside of his marriage. His wife found out that he was cheating on her with multiple different women. And with men. And sometimes men. Yep. And he's quickly covered it with some bull crap on how he was destined to spread himself among others. That he shouldn't be just tied to one person. That he was like a disease. He was a gift. A, so a he virus, to share his gift with everybody. I'm like... <laughs> Like an STD, yeah. if you want to call it something like that. You know, like like a virus, as it were. Shall we call him a corona, a ray of light, a coronavirus? Mm-hmm. 
There's somebody else that did something similar to this around the same era. Oh, yes. Yeah, it the was Chinese. Manson, who we will... Oh, my bad. <laughs> oh, sorry. Wrong disease. Um, <laughs> but it was the era. It was the era of free love. And so that's why he's like, oh, I'm this leader of a church and I can do whatever I want. And what's really sad is his wife just went along with it. But let me just tell you something right here. OK. I just want everyone to hold up their red flag because this is a major red flag. If your leader of your church is doing crap like this, you might be in a cult. If the leader of your <laughs> church is having sex with run. everybody, it ain't a church no more, boy. You got into an orgy and got confused. Exactly. It's just like, I don't know. Can I say this? Yeah, they're all, I think they're all in prison. So I think I can say this. It's like Nexium. I think you, all the are people from Nexium are in prison, right? They're they're in prison, aren't they? Because if they're not, we're both Most dead. Most of them. <laughs> Most of them. And the people that are not in prison have left and they're like making documentaries about how terrible it was. He literally. OK, that's a whole nother story. I think we'll get into that in another season. Nexium. <laughs> plug, plug, they're, plug. Nexium is. Yeah. Nexium is crazy. Anyway. So he was not only sleeping with younger women from the congregation, but also men, men among the congregation, even though it was reported that he would sleep with women more often than men. But he was still no, Kyle, dabbling in both. That being said, oftentimes when this happens, they go over an edge into sometimes pedophilic actions. Do we know if he ever mm -hmm. solicited an underage boy or girl? Um... I'll give you a hint. We do. I he solicited youngest, an underage boy in, uh, youngest, in, in California. Yeah, I was going to say, I think the youngest girl he ever did anything with was 17. But I want to say the youngest boy he had done any, anything with was 15. like maybe 13 or 14. 15. OK. Yeah. But yes, there's another red flag for you. I feel like I should if, say if, here's they're, if they're a pedophile, probably don't. Don't keep going to church there. Rule of thumb, if you're hanging out with pedophiles, pro probably ought not to do that. They don't tend to be good people. I agree. Sad so thing if you is, get is nothing so else from this episode, don't hang out with pedophiles. Right. But what I was going to say is there's a lot of very large religions. I mean, look at the Catholic Church and sadly all the different pedophiles that they had running their congregations. So as the as the people's temple grew, they were making a stir among the inhabitants of San Francisco and in L.A. There were newspaper magazines that wanted to do stories on them uh, because of their their growing eccentric views. Mm hmm. A few articles came out stating the negative points and the pe because the people that were interviewed were apostates of and they left the people's temple. Now, some of these articles actually came out in newspapers, not necessarily magazines. So it's not like they were crazy widespread, but this was also the 50s. So the most or the best way for people to get their news was newspapers. Yeah, it was it was pre-text um, pre message news, pre-Karen's Facebook feed news. Exactly. But think of this as a one-sided way of interviewing a community. And this is what one thing that bothers me about a lot of... Um, journalists is they will kind of pick their own view and then skew their story to fit their view. Fox News. Um, <coughs> I, f I feel like if you're going to tell a story, you need to get both sides of it. And yeah, I, you say Fox News, but CNN does that as well. I oh, mean, it, yeah, they it's do. any news station. There's, there's a reason I mean, that I don't it, listen to them. The only difference between Fox News and CNN is that one of them is the state media. 
but they it, but this is why it, it doesn't make sense to me if when somebody says i only watch this news station well why you need to get a full because understanding I like of what is happening chamber. so you can make i like uh-huh, the yeah, world exactly. making sense the way i want it to make sense <laughs> but they also like having somebody tell them what to believe which is there's a term for that it's why? called it's called echo chambers it's the idea that you only go into groups where they make you feel like you are right fox news is awful at it so is cnn but this is why this is why you get leaders of cults and this is why you get cult starting like with jim jones and charles manson and scientology and all these different groups because it you're not taking people aren't taking the time to get both sides of the story they're just picking one and going with it and they'll often pick whatever sounds the craziest. Um, an excellent exactly. example of that is something I've already brought up before. There, the amount of Muslims that believe in jihad, that believe in killing infidels, yada, 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 are demonstrably outweighed by peaceful, law-abiding Muslims. But what do you see on TV? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because that law-abiding Muslims are not the narrative, so why would they show that? They're not the narrative, and they don't sell newspapers, and they don't put up airtime. Exactly. So once the articles were published in the newspaper, Jones was furious. It made them all look like crazy communists in the state of California. And and now the state of California was turning their eyes to look at them to be like, okay, do we need to keep an eye on these guys? They're a very large communist community and they're growing. Well, the CIA was definitely not psyched about it either. It wasn't just the state of California. We're at freaking yeah. war with the communists because McCarthy's a psycho. And so we're all during the Red Scare. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden you have a group of native active communists. So they're immediately like, oh, no. Oh, no. People with a different ideology. We can't have that. Yeah, exactly. But then so now Jim Jones is thinking, OK, well, we need to get to another country that has communism so we can go and live there. Here's what's interesting of that idea is you don't go and live in a communist country and think they're going to let you start your own communist community. Like they're a communist country. They and have if you kind of an established there, idea of what they're looking for. <laughs> they're going to they're a communist with um, their com- country. Right. <laughs> exactly. But one country they kicked this pick, uh, picked specifically was Russia. And they Shocker. actually looked into Russia a few, quite a few times. I think it's because they could move to Russia and just kind of disappear because it's so it's such a large country. And it would be it hard to move to Russia all, then, know. though. There was it was I believe it was almost impossible to move to Russia at that point from America, given the current state of affairs. I, yeah. And yeah. especially there, if you're trying to move a, a large group. Imagine that like going, you know, one person you could maybe smuggle a full congregation yeah. with branches all over the U.S. Almost impossible. Yeah. Well, and Jim Jones kept looking into Russia, but never in a million years could he have uh, pulled that off, especially during this time. No. 100%. But one of the places he had gone to, Guyana, uh, he thought it would be perfect for them to take the people's temple to. Eventually, he worked with the Guyana, uh, the Guyana government and Guyanese. they allowed him to build a, the Guyanese and they allowed him to build a community there. Now, the government agreed as long as they would not need to interfere with and with them at all. If the government had to step in and get involved, they were not going to be OK with it. Basically, they, they, they saw this permission. as it was. They were like, these are American citizens with rights. We don't want uh-huh. to be involved in that because it's a political storm waiting to happen. You guys don't do anything. Uh-huh. We're good. You do anything that makes us get involved. We are not good. Exactly. Now. 
What's interesting, though, is they were still American citizens, even though they were moving to Guyana. Because they were still being funded by the temple, the people's temple members that were still in the United States. Some people were working two or three jobs to fund what was happening in Guyana. It's so sad. They were paying. I don't know. But so eventually they the government, the two governments agreed that it was okay for them to do that. Um, But once they got to Guyana, they worked from sunup to sundown, all the people that went over with them. And see, Jim Jones would bounce back to between Guyana and the United States, and he would recruit more people in the United States to go down and help in Guyana. And then he'd come back and then he'd bring more people. And it, he would sell it off to them as you're helping build this amazing community. So, I mean, ideally now, from go ahead, sorry. His standpoint, he was selling. No, he was just he was selling it really well to these people because it was like, we can go and live all of our ideals without anybody anybody bothering us. Which and hello, you have to ding dong. As well. That's exactly what. Yeah, but that's you exactly know. what people migrating to the United States in the early. I mean, in the early years of this country, were doing. Oh, we can go have religious freedom on this country, and then. Now Jim Jones is in this country and leaving it to go have religious freedom somewhere else. <laughs> I like that doesn't make sense to I me. I think what I find really creepy about this though, and this might just be me, is that not only are they moving to another country, they're moving to another country with no government oversight underneath somebody that they're just trusting at face value. The really spooky part to me is that they're moving to a country where Jim Jones is the sole authority. Nobody else mm-hmm. over him, no police, no government. He is the law and the word of the law, and he could kill you in the jungle and leave you there and no one would ever know it. Exactly. You know, what's interesting, though, is Jim Jones actually did have mass suicide tests like he would be teaching people in a congregation. He would tell them nights. Yeah, he'd be like, we're going tonight's the night that we're all going to drink this Kool-Aid and we're going to die. And. The people who didn't drink in the congregation, he would talk to them and he'd be like, why don't you believe full wholeheartedly what's happening? Because they would drink it and then nothing would happen. It was like a dry run, basically. And people were scared, but they would do it because they're like, they've believed in him wholeheartedly. And then when they didn't die, they were like relieved, like, oh, good, you know, and he and then he would go into preaching that the people that didn't drink the Kool-Aid with them there needed to basically repent and come back, think about things and come back. And he would pretty much rebuke those people and tell them that they were terrible. But what makes this super creepy is that at at one point, some of the defectors, they left Jonestown in Guyana Uh and they told the government that there was going to be a mass suicide, that Jim Jones was planning on a mass suicide, that he was carrying out these white knights. During this time, he's actually completing a lot of the major key indicators of a, a cult. The first one is separating people from their families or authority. Mm -hmm. He moves to Guyana. The second one is that he was mentally beating them down while he was there. There were Mm -hmm. talks of group beatings, group group ridiculings. Basically, he became a complete dictator while he was there. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what he was doing. He was becoming a dictator while he was there, but he, he would also emotionally abuse them he was restricting how much food they could have i mean part of that was because it was really hard to get food into the country especially meat and they could try i mean the the guyana the guyanese government was allowing them to to hunt 
but I mean, these are a bunch of city people and no offense to the city <laughs> people, but they can't hunt very well because they didn't grow up hunting. You know you what I mean? You cannot hunt if you cannot shoot. So as the Jonestown in Guyana was starting up and being created, another article was written about Jonestown and the People's Temple. But this article came out in a magazine and they had pulled information from previous news articles into this magazine article and they it painted more of a positive and a negative outlook. So this one was a little bit better because it wasn't just one sided. Um, once it was published in a well-known magazine, Jones began to pull in ranks. He was just like, yep, we're not going to have that anymore. And there were a hundred. And this is where he started getting really nervous. And he started doing the, what did you call him, Zane? The white knight trials, the white knights. Yep. He started having those a little more often and it was scaring people, but because he wasn't actually asking or he was asking them to commit mass suicide and then they would drink the Kool-Aid and nothing would happen. I think they were all like, OK, yeah, I'm OK with this. And they would get it was almost like his way of breaking down their barriers of this might happen to it, it removed their ability to think of the self. And it created yeah. a group think mentality that really lined them up for what would happen later. Exactly. So there was something massive that happens that not a lot of the congregation, well, they found out after all this had happened, but Jones was actually diagnosed with cancer, but he was the Messiah. So how could he have cancer and be dying? Because he's how is he going to? Yeah. So how is he going to describe this to his congregation or tell his congregation that he's dying if he's the Messiah. So he kept in it quiet. In far too many words, because the man cannot make a short sentence. <laughs> I can't either, so. That, that, like, just long, run-on sentences that make no sense. I've listened to a bunch of his tapes. It's super annoying. Anyway. So once the magazine article was released in the, in the U.S., federal, the federal government now was looking at the People's Temple. With a few of the congregations still inside the U.S. and now the developing Jonestown, political leaders needed to take a look, really look into what's happening. In November of 1978, Leo Ryan, and yes, this name should sound familiar because it was brought up in a previous episode. Congressman Leo Ryan, watch my episode. Congressman, exactly. Congressman Leo Ryan is a Democratic congressman from California. He flew out to Guyana with an NBC camera crew to interview the people of Jonestown and get a firsthand account of what was happening down there. Once Leo Ryan got there, he was escorted in a limousine to Jonestown, where he was then able to talk with different members of the community, see how things were working out, and even make a speech. He was also accompanied by a group of people called the Concerned Parent or the Concerned Families that were a group yes. of apostates from that religion, from Jones's faith that were worried about their family members and thought that those family members wanted to get out. The main purpose of Ryan's mission was to go there and basically denote whether or not U.S. citizens were being held hostage, for lack of a better term, in a foreign country. Exactly, especially because they didn't have com any communication with their family that was in Jonestown. This so was pre-cell yes. phone. This is, this is way back when. Mm-hmm. Um... So he was able to make a speech and remember, he was still a politician and he needed to make sure that he had votes to keep him in office. 
So he made positive statements there, knowing his support would get back to the People's Temple in California, and the people there would vote to keep him in office. After his trip... Politicians. Leo Ryan... Yeah, exactly. After his trip, Leo Ryan was boarding the airplane to fly back to to the U.S. with 15 members of the People's Temple who did not want to stay in Jonestown. Now, there was only 15 of them, but they Jones allowed them to go if they didn't want to be there anymore. Um, when they got to the. What do they call that? A tarmac where the plane is the, the tarmac they were gunned yeah. down. Mm-hmm. They were gunned down. A tractor rolled out uh, in front of the airplane and. Basically, a a hit group called the Red Brigade bailed out and killed everybody they could. Exactly. Now, not everybody died there, but Congressman Leo Ryan did. Um, He was killed by one of the shooters. Um, Luckily, there were still several survivors of that shooting. But unfortunately, yeah, Leo Ryan was killed later that same day. So the very same day. Nine hundred and nine people committed suicide in Jonestown. Nine hundred and nine. Three hundred and four of them. So a quarter or a third of the congregation were children. A third of the congregation was children. Sorry, I typed this out, but I didn't. <laughs> that didn't sink in. Until I want, I want to point something out here. Mass so murder. Jim Jones always claims yeah. that their their death, everybody who died there. Wasn't he says it in the tape? It's an act of revolutionary suicide. He says that they're basically acting against a country that is evil. He even lied to the people of the congregation and told them that there were race camps being set up in America. That basically they were rounding up uh, anybody who was not white and putting them in internment camps. So to the point mm-hmm. though, this was not revolutionary suicide. Children cannot make that decision cognitively. You don't give me that bull. This was Jim Jones having his one last power trip. Exactly. It's exactly right. But all those different practice runs were now coming true as people drank their cyanide Kool-Aid. What's interesting and is there were some that were <laughs> injected with it and some of them were forcibly injected with it. It's exactly like there. There are track marks where they were dragged to the, pl- the places there are. There's recordings where you can hear Jim telling people to give up their children and stop trying to shield them. You can hear gunshots in the recording. People were not yep. doing this completely mm-hmm. willingly. Because people... No. Because there were some people that were trying to run away, and as they were running away, they would get shot down. And so as people yep. were saying, oh, if I run, I'm going to get shot. I may as well just drink it. They would give it to their kids first. And as their kids were laying there dying, they would hurry and drink it so they didn't have to witness it anymore. I mean, it was just... 909 people. Oh my gosh, that's insane. But what's interesting is we kept, and we've done it in the episode, everyone keeps calling it the Kool-Aid. They didn't actually use Kool-Aid. It was they just, used knockoff Kool-Aid. It was knockoff Kool-Aid, but still, it was Kool-Aid in my book. Well, Jim didn't want to spend too much money. He needed all that money for the afterlife. Yeah, exactly. Of course. What rationally thinking human being wouldn't buy the cheap stuff when you need a large amount to kill a bunch of people with? Come on, Kyle, get with the program. Right. Well, and he also had um, communities like older. They would go into like old folks home homes and help the people take care of the people there. And he would actually he actually had some of them go out to Jonestown. So people that were older and kind of bedridden 
were still out there. And even though they couldn't go and be participating in this, they went, people went in and injected them with cyanide to kill them. Yep. While everyone else was, not everyone else, but while a large group of them were drinking it voluntarily. Oh, it's so sad. 909 people. So the children were given the poison first, they assume. Once the parents saw their children dying before their eyes and realized what was happening, a few tried to flee, and that's when they were shot. They believe that Jim's Joan was one of the last ones to die because he had a bullet to the head. Freaking. Right. So the people in the United States were still. Let's see. Sorry, scratch that again. <laughs> the people in the United States that were still in the United States were in complete shock that he had actually followed through with a mass suicide. What? He a crazy guy it. did what he said he was going to do earlier right. and we didn't listen? I think it's I think it's because he did so many dry runs, like upwards of like in the teens, how many dry runs he did. So I think they were just like, oh, he's just <laughs> testing he's us. Just it's kidding not ever going to happen. Yeah, who, exactly. Who wouldn't joke around about that? I mean, I know I do all the time. Hey, everybody, uh-huh. let's all gather up and pretend to kill ourselves. Yeah, it's just a joke. Yep. We're all kidding. So then families that were not members of the People Temple, but they had children who were members, um, were in a complete panic and an uproar with the government. How could they? How could the government allow this to happen? We're the government. And That's the, what we do. Right, exactly. So the event was heavily covered by the media. The entire world was watching what was happening in Guyana. And I think Guyana was like, uh, F this. We do not want any part of this. We're never letting this happen again. Come to Guyana, land of mass uh-huh. suicide. Right. But this was Jim Jones. This is his ultimate goal. He wanted to be remembered and he totally got his wish. He has been remembered, but not for some leader or a hero, but for the monster that he really was. As he should be remembered. Absolutely. I think you can even look it up on. Sorry. I believe you can look it up on the Internet, an actual flyover of a helicopter that's filming. Yeah, it's on there. And you can see, I mean, there's a pavilion that most of the bodies are under, but there's just piles and piles of bodies. And they said that they were now, when we're, they were cleaning we're make up. A, a brief side note here, listeners, if you have a weak stomach or an aversion to, to pictures of dead bodies, don't look this up. But there is a picture Kyle's referencing where it's a helicopter shot and you can see probably hundreds of bodies lying on the ground. Mm-hmm. Yep. And when the Guyanese government came in, they can't, they had to count the bodies like so many different times because they count all the bodies and they, they would get a, a number around like 400 and then they would go to move those bodies and find out there were more bodies underneath. And so they'd have to do a whole count again. I mean, it took them months to really recover what was happening. And because it's in Guyana, they're in the jungle. It's humid. It's hot. These bodies are quickly decomposing, especially if they're piled underneath other bodies. So by the time they got to the bottom of these piles, they couldn't identify anybody. Not to mention the fact that unfortunately it was U S Marines that had to go in and then clean that up. After all of this was said and done. Mm-hmm. Yep. That would mess well, you up as a kid. Absolutely. And I, th- Thanks, I feel Jim. like because it was a an American based religion, I wonder if the U.S. government kind of felt an obligation to go in and take care of that cleanup. 
Well, no, it, I mean, there was I, no obligation. I think both like it were was, working together to it do it. It was an absolute obligation. It was something where they had to do that. It was they, those were U.S. citizens yeah. that had to be reclaimed regardless of their their living status. Yeah, c- well, because they were still citizens. They weren't just they weren't citizens of guy. I mean, I'm sure they were. They could have been dual citizens, but yeah, I mean, it was basically the U.S. coming in and committing suicide in another country because Jim Jones told them to. Exactly. It's ridiculous. So, in conclusion, don't join a cult. If there's anybody that tells you you need to move with the congregation into a different... Maybe city's fine because you're still close enough, but if you're going outside your own state to follow a leader... Out! Get out! Get out while you can. Run! And just, if you still like what they're saying, you can just listen to them from far away. I yeah, mean, there's a lot yeah, of people that Yeah, we're learning that that. all about social distancing these days, guys. Come on. <laughs> uh, it's so sad. People are easily manipulated. We still see it today. People are just easily manipulated. They follow one another. They're lemmings. I mean, look at all the different apps and things that are out there that everyone just see it an app becomes popular because their friend tells them oh you need to do this and everyone just downloads it because their friend had it they don't look into it weren't you talking about tiktok earlier today kyle i feel like you were bringing up tiktok earlier today hold on i did not (laughs) tell you to download the app i did not tell you anything i just said i saw one video that was on tiktok and download the app that's what you asked me to do. You said, hey, you want to like, move out of the country and download an app with me? And I said, yeah. Then you started doing this. I'm so confused. I don't even know what to believe anymore. <laughs> nice try, Zane. <laughs> anyway, in conclusion. So, yes. In conclusion, don't drink the Kool-Aid. Don't do it. And it wasn't even Kool-Aid. It wasn't even worth it. They used the cheap kind. So, <laughs> no. like Kyle said, don't join a cult. And what I'll add to that is buy the real Kool-Aid. This has been Pair of Normal Guys. Have a great night. To keep up to date on what's happening on the podcast, follow us on Instagram at Guys Paranormal. Also, if you have any stories you want to share with us, email us at pnormalguys at gmail.com.